Hey, everybody. Welcome to another show. On today's show, I'm super excited. We have the cast of Mother's Little Helper, a film that I got to watch, and it's fantastic. We have, I'm going to fuck up the name, I already know, Kestrin <laughs> Pantera, Cole Benson, and SNL alumni Melanie Hutzel on the show today. I'm super excited, so I hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Who Invited Her. We are San Diego's LGBTQ pop culture podcast. I'm your host, Tony. And you guys, I'm all alone. The gang is gone this week. But instead of the normal crew, we have very, very, very special guests here today. We have the cast, the director, every, the big people from the movie Mother's Little Helper. We have Catherine Pantera, who directed, wrote it, and she acts in the film. We have SNL alumni, Melanie. Hutzel, who is fantastic in this film, which we're going to dive into, and makeup guru extraordinaire and actor, Cole Benson. They're all joining me today to talk about the film. I'm super excited about this. But before we dive into the film, I want to ask you guys, how is everybody handling quarantine? How are you getting through this quarantine right now? Drinking. There you go. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have, okay, cheers. (laughs) <laughs> this is literally the most old lady answer. I have these two baby hummingbirds outside of my w- bedroom window, and I am obsessed with them. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> I can't stop going and looking. I have these two homeless people in our alley that fight every morning at five o'clock about the same thing that my my partner and I are obsessed with. Oh. <laughs> I yeah. feel a little weird laughing at that, but yes. But it's hilarious. We're like, there they go again. There's oh. Marge and Sam just yelling at each other in the alley about something. We don't know. It uh, changes every day. <laughs> what about you, Cole? And Ke- I totally Kestrin. just, I totally just moved. I got tired of being in the same location, so I was like, I'm going to switch houses. So oh, and really, apparently near okay. the beach, because look at your background. <laughs> You're like on an island somewhere. <laughs> So I packed my family up and we moved to the valley. Yeah. Oh, nice. What about you, Kestrin? How are you handling this quarantine? You know, it's great. There's a plant that I stare at every day (laughs) and um, it's doing great. And it has really become an extension of my personality, my life, my soul, my career and my spiritual daily practice. So um, the plant's doing great and therefore I am great. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so Mother's Little Helper. I got a chance to see this film, and it is—it's fantastic. It's really good, and it's straight up my alley. Um, So, Catherine, give us a rundown for our audience of what the film's about and how this film—the idea—came about for it. Okay, so Mother's Little Helpers was inspired by the life and death of my father-in-law when we all came home to Texas to like say goodbye and. I know that like there it's like a genre of like go home to your dying parent. Uh, but I was always fascinated about the the moments of curiosity. Like when you're a little kid and you like see a dead squirrel and you want to poke it with a stick. There's this part of us when someone we love is leaving that you're like, you kind of want them. You want to make sure that they die like with you or you get to like provide this holy moment for them. But what I learned is that they never die 
when you think that they will in the way that you want them to. And then you also don't want them to, because that's such a fucked up thing to say. Like you don't want them to, you specifically don't want, like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And then you say dumb shit like that. And then you're like, does anyone need tacos? I need a drink. What are we doing? <laughs> and then you get into hysterical, inappropriate laughter. And for me, that's why I wanted to make the movie yeah. about like laughing at the funeral and like wanting, but not wanting some, that awkward tension that happens. And I also feel like if you get five of the funniest people in the entire world, no matter if it's for a funeral or a death or a birth or whatever, it's always going to be funny and fun and cathartic. So that's what uh, the goal was for this movie. It, I, it's really good. To me, it was a cross between um, The Big Chill and August. What's the movie, Rob? August. What is it? Osage County. August Osage County. Yes, which I love that, that film. But a it's a cross compliment. between those yeah. two films for me. Like when I was mm-hmm. watching it, I was like, that's what it reminds me of. That is that a is high compliment. True. Yeah, that's that was amazing. the first thing Robbie and I were talking about when we were watching the film. We're like, that's what it reminded us of. I was trying to think of it like halfway through. I'm like, that's it. That's that's like the combo of a movie. And the way it's filmed for our audience, um, it is like you feel like a fly on the wall the way it's filmed. Like it's a day in the life of these people and you just happen to be like a ghost following them around this house, watching all the drama ensued while you just sit there with your popcorn going, oh, shit, she did not just say that. Yeah, that's how it felt. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that and yeah, it's a great film. So for for people who don't know, how, most of the film was improv right? Yeah, it was based off of a meticulous outline that I wrote in like 2015 and then just forgot about. And what was amazing was the actors, you know, we're working off of their character and the outline, but so much of what they mined for them are their own personal life experience, family, sibling drama, whatever, kind of accidentally harmonized with shit that I wrote like five years earlier that I never, three years earlier that I never even spoke about with them. There was a lot of magic that went into the, to the work that the actors did, but it was definitely their own work. And I was very grateful. How did, how did you get everybody involved? Like how did, how did you get involved with the film Cole? And then Melanie, how did you get, get get into the film because you play the mom joy pride which we'll get into which as a fan of yours this is a big departure from what i'm used to seeing you from snl because i grew up on snl like snl was it 91 through 94 you were on if i yes, remember right 91 to 94. and that was my high school so <laughs> i remember having yes. to sneak it and watch snl because i wasn't allowed to so and i remember your jan it was funny with your jan tory spelling and the delta 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 girls so this was such a departure for you so how did both of you cool and melanie get involved with this film like how did that come about i i i prayed earlier in the year that i would get to do a film and literally Probably three weeks later, Kestrin called me and was like, hey, I'm doing this project. I think you'll be perfect for it. Do you want to come and do, you know, do this film? And I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Hell yeah, I'll be there. You know, so um, <laughs> I think like somebody else didn't show up. So like I got the job. Hey, and, that's she was, how it goes sometimes. <laughs> and she was like, but I really think you're perfect for this. So come over and let's, let's do this movie. And I came over and I was like nervous, but she was just like, okay, so you're going to be really calm. 
I want you to channel your uh, inner inner Oprah, and this is going to be great. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got this. So you know, it was just it was just I prayed and I got a phone call. So that's, that's how you do it. You that, just yeah. pray. <laughs> how about you, Melanie? How did you get um, involved with the film? Okay, so I was okay. First of all. You'll appreciate this. I was doing this crazy show called Prairie um, <laughs> with Drew Drogi. <laughs> oh, Drew Drogi's <laughs> awesome. Sam Pankink and him are awesome. Yes, I've been to some yeah. of their shows. Sam Pankink and Drew Drogi, yeah. Yeah, so Drew is one of mine and Kestrin's mutual friends. But anyway, so I was doing the show Prairie which was an episode of Little House on the Prairie combined with karaoke songs that support the story. <laughs> and I played <laughs> Ma. And I got to I got to sing "Sweet Child of Mine" by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. best friend came. It was like the she had just had a baby, and it was her first date out in the world. And I met her after the show, you know, on this crazy night. And then I don't know how many months it was later. I got an email from Drew, and he's like, "Kestrin, my friend Kestrin, that met you after the show. Uh, she wants to email you. I love her." She's fantastic. You know, take the email. I did. We met for coffee. She presented this very meticulous um, outline to me. And she was like, and it was great. And she was like, and we're going to improvise it. (laughs) And it was just like this really, you know, it was this really serious storyline. And, you know, I've been doing sketch comedy for forever. Yeah. And like cool, I had had this urge and sort of this this wanting to do something a little more serious to show a different side to me. Um, and here it was presenting itself. And I was like, whoa. And, and then she said, and then she said, you know, I want your character to be like, uh, think Tammy Wynette. <laughs> <laughs> think uh the the female version of willie nelson you yeah. know like reba mcintyre and i was like yeah i'm in let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and kestrin how did you balance directing the film being in the film like all around being so involved in the film and finding that balance of comedy and drama with an improv piece because that is like super hard so how did you balance all of that through the um, take of this film the actors really were specialists in their own parts so that the the balancing of the tone was shockingly easy to find it was really small adjustments it was just everyone would have a heartbreaking really sincere authentic moment and then could just like throw a tag on it and button it and that was just everyone's superhuman gift and I think that that's just one of those things that life gives you when you have really smart, talented, smart, funny improvisers who are like at the peak of their game. They just did that. I can't take credit for that. That was very fun and easy to watch and to edit. Um, I really like acting when I'm directing because I'm really um, a controlling perfectionist. So um, I like just having free reign to check the monitor and mm-hmm. be like, Oh God, I did that fucking thing with my nose. Hang on. I got it. I know what I need to do. Um, I'm just very vain. No. And then I like to be able to cut out the bad parts so yeah. that I can kind of not control the performance, like while it's happening, but at least control like the output in a way that I like it at the end. So that's really easy also for me. So it yeah. was, I just feel really grateful that these folks 
came on and did it. And Cole was like this last minute surprise that he said yes. And it was like, it was a little crazy. I wrote it for my friend Eva, who's the producer of the film. Mm -hmm. And her dad actually had the problem that Joy's character ultimately dies of in the film. Oh, really? And so it was like too much for her. And then I was like, I think Cool just called me. It was really weird. Or I was scrolling and I was like, Cool is the nurse. And then we found out that Cool had experience in end of life care and it was better than any. That's what, okay, that makes sense now. Cause it felt like Cool's character, Cool, um, Nurse Cool was like, the voice of reason that popped in here and there to be like, look, people, this is what's happening to take them out of their crazy world for like a second. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what it was like Um, when I when I showed up and they had been doing this, you know, doing this for a couple of days. I couldn't tell when they were acting or improving or if they were talking to each other. I was like, (laughs) what is going on? I think it was like Brita. She just started talking to me and she was actually like getting me into the scene. I was like, what is this girl talking about? <laughs> so it was it was a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. And I, I have to give you a compliment, Cool, because <laughs> it's so interesting to hear you say that you were nervous because that did not come across at all. And even when, when you guys were shooting the scenes and I was in another room just listening, I felt like you were so believable that I literally yeah. had a moment of like, I'm going to die. <laughs> I really am I'm going to die. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, thank wow. you. I thought you were fantastic. And thank so, you so real much. and yeah. so believable. So thank you guys, you so right much. now we're gonna watch the trailer for the film so our audience can get a little clip of this fantastic this fantastic film, which I'm telling everybody you gotta go out and see. <laughs> You do not. You have three siblings. And you believe that? <laughs> you know that's right. I just want to be sure that she's dying before we really commit to going out. I think I've a really good point. And I, I, I got the drugs. Can you keep a secret? No! <laughs> Fish out of water breathing? What is that? <gasps> yep, that's the breathing. Jude. Jude, what are you doing? That's what you came back here for. That's 20 years for you, 20 years for me, 20 years free. Actually, you'd be like two life sentences. It's I will be oh, right back. Man. I'm going to go watch the film again. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love that music. I love I that know. music. That was Matt. Okay. That was our composer, Matt. So for for this okay. film, all of the characters, the Pride children, they really felt like siblings. Because I come from a family of four raised by a single mother. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. there's my sister. There's my brother. There's my other brother. How <laughs> did, Catherine, how did you get so many layers in all of these characters so developed for the film and the film gives everybody like 
you get invested in every single person in this film. And typically with this type of film, there's always that one sibling that you want to know more of. But this film did a great job of really diving into each character and their struggle and their relationship with Joy Pride. So how did how did that happen? Or was that mostly through the improv? Or how did you how did you get the actors to that point? The actors are really, really good at their jobs. So I just was fortunate enough to know and ask and be able to hire professionals who were specialists in their field. And I think that when you have really smart actors, they're able to get like, oh, I'm an addict. What does that mean? And oh, I'm on house arrest. Oh, I'm a sex addict. What does that mean? What does that mean? Like, how do I feel towards my sister whose house I'm stuck in? And like that just really empathetic understanding of human nature. so I wish I could take credit for that, but that was really just really good acting. They were yeah. good at acting. Yeah, the whole <laughs> cast was amazing. I loved. Um, how did the um, Julia Brita Brita's Brita's um, character the trout the trout scene made me laugh so hard? <laughs> like, I was like, that is, is a, so good. <laughs> I mean, she's a monster. Yeah. She yeah. is like a savant at weird shit. Yeah, she is batshit raving genius. Um, and we were watching that, like so much of all the actors and, and particularly Brita and Melanie, they would say stuff and I would try not to laugh as a director or as a person on set. But then some, I put some of my laughs in or me trying not to laugh because that's the <laughs> real experience of your crazy ass uh, relative saying something. And I do think when you have sibling dynamics, we see these patterns that come forward in different families. So it wasn't just like my personal family. It was like archetype of family that when there's a flawed kind of damaged, not to always uh, archetypal parent, uh, deeply flawed parent, like, or even a good one, Mm -hmm. the people who are closest to the flame, AKA the first child is like usually up against the most stuff. And then you have another kid and they're like a little bit less, there's this buffer of human armor that's like protecting them from the damage. Right. And it kind of trickles down until the youngest is usually pretty great. Right. They had like three people to raise them plus their parents. So, I mean, it's just one of those like observations. So true. So true. 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 I'm the the youngest of nine. So I'll take it. They saved the best for last. See, I'm the oldest in the family. And I'm like, yup, we were the buffer for sure. Me and my twin brother, we were the buffer. (laughs) and it's a beautiful act of love right like i'm sure you probably understood then at the end when they had that scene where the older sister is like i did this shit for you i gave Mm -hmm. you like my good stuff like yeah my siblings that are listening yeah (laughs) (laughs) and melanie this how was it going into playing joey pride because i wanted to ask you did she did the character of joy did she know how bad of a mother she was at any of the time or to her, was it all just, she had a vision of the mother she was and that's who she was. Or did she know what she put her kids through I by think the end of she it? Was, I think she was oblivious. Okay. I think Joy Pride just lived her effing life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and doesn't apologize for it at all. And, you know, being a person, person who is actually from this, I'm from Tennessee and, you know, um, it, it was just interesting to play this Southern character that wasn't like what people normally think of a very conservative and just mm. real sweet and put a smile on their face and <laughs> well, bless your heart, yeah. you know, like that kind of thing. 
Joy Pride was polar opposite from that. And it was just so refreshing for me to get to dive into uh, playing this woman that was kind of like rough around the edges and, you know, backstage groupie partying her ass yeah. off. And after she has these four kids, didn't slow her down, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was just, it was such a great challenge for me. And also after having done sketch comedy and just pretty much straight on comedy for so long. And then here Kestrin gives me this chance to play a dying woman and I had to be still yeah, and, and, and not move. And that was weird, but in a good way. <laughs> I, do have, really weird. I do have to ask you, Melanie, the cough. Was that real? Because we were like, oh, that death rattle. Is that real? What's going on? Like, I, I was like, how did she do that? Okay, I did. I did coughing. I did oh, a yeah. lot of coughing. Mama was sore, you know, from time to time. <laughs> uh, but they, they did. We have to say that they enhanced it. Yeah. You know, okay. because it. They wanted to be. They wanted it to be as realistic as possible, and no matter how, what I did, you know, it wasn't as bad as someone who was dying of lung cancer. So, yeah, um, yeah, it was real-ish. Oddly enough, our sound mixer Jay Clark had a really bad cough when he was setting up the project, so he did a lot of his own coughs. Oh, really? Isn't that, was, that crazy? That's weird. Well, there you go. <laughs> like, Jay, that sounds like, really bad. And then like, he go was get fine. that checked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I really that's did funny. love this film. And the, and all of the siblings, like, the other thing I wanted to bring up was the, the house that you guys filmed this in. It felt like you all had lived there forever. Like, how did you, Kestrin, how did you, or where was the set? Whose house was that? And who did the set decoration? Because it really felt like you really buy that this is the Pride family house. So that was Milana, the younger sister, the oh, youngest really? sister. That was her house at the time. Oh my God. And we got there and Christopher Daniels did our set design. He came and set it up before we moved in and we just wanted it to get as dirty as possible. So I actually, the cleaning people were coming the day we were first setting up and I was like, don't, 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 don't. Cause we wanted there to be like layers of dirt so that there's a shot of like dust like reflecting in the sunlight <laughs> yeah. through the through this like sun sun sunroof and we wanted all of that like the gross collegey detritus like in the house so <laughs> it was really intercepting the cleaning team on day wow. one that, that gave us that <laughs> really grit authentic look and have you uh Kestrin, have you thought about maybe taking the fr- the pride family and expanding it whether we see joys story ahead of time of how she got to this point and her relationship with the kids got to this point or where the kids go from after joy's gone because i could totally see like both of those series Mm -hmm. and we were thinking like robbie and i were talking like i want to know joy's story like i want to see her party years and like how she got to where she was I love it. Yes. I think, yes, there's, that's definitely, I had, I I wrote a, I wrote a treatment for a series that's called on the rails. That's Mm -hmm. just Jude and um, the the brother and the sister with the drug issues. Yeah. Staying in the house and trying to get sober. Oh, wow. Like inheriting (laughs) the house um, and thinking about what that would look like in terms of flashbacks of what they discover in the house over the years. 
Um, we also shot a pilot with the cast of this movie, but playing different characters that I'm editing. Oh, right wow. So we are keeping the band together. Good, because there is like a definite chemistry with everybody involved with the film. Like you really, that's the one thing I kept taking away from the film was they really felt like a family. <laughs> like you really buy it, oh. which is great. Um, I, mean, I do I feel like they are my family now. Right? <laughs> yeah. I do have to ask, sure. and I don't want to give anything away from the film, but the worms, is that like come from a true story? How did you come up with the idea of the worms? <laughs> yeah, it's all re- real. Oh, really? The storyline oh, okay. with the trash can. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the worms were inspired by the real garden family, and the trash can stuff was true. Yeah. Oh wow! So there, there were some other <laughs> twists in there that weren't they? They were uh, replaced with a different twist in the film, but there yeah. were some. There's a lot of twists. A lot wow! Of and then Melanie, I have a question for you. How um, going into this part of Joy Pride? How much from your real life as a mom, and maybe your relationship with your mom, did you bring into the character of Joy? Nothing at all. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> because I, my mom was, um, my mom, Claudia Hutzel, I'll say her name. Um, she's such a wonderful, I really could not have had a better mom. And she uh, became a mother very young in her life. I guess that's a similarity. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, you know, because she became a, mo- a mom so so young, I think she had this feeling inside that she wanted to prove to the world that she was the best mom ever. And mm-hmm. just like whatever cake we wanted, you know, whether it was like Mickey Mouse or a piano, she made that happen, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, as far as like how I am as a kid, I hope I haven't. I'm sure it's all going to unfold how much damage I've caused them. <laughs> um, but no, I would say like the stuff as far as like what I wanted to draw from for joy mm-hmm. really came from just listening to Kestrin uh, uh, over and over and over again about this person, which by the way, how cool that this is based on a dude and she made it into a woman. Oh, really? You know, That's amazing. Because, because there aren't enough uh, female roles. Yeah. And so for that, I, I'm also forever grateful. Yeah. And this film is loaded with them, the siblings and it's directed, written by a woman. I mean, it's, in, it's incredible. And then Catherine, how much of the story came from your real life? as an actress and as the director and writing the outline for the, for the movie, how much of it from both angles did you pull from your real life? I mean, I would say it was the very much followed the emotional arc and structure and story of my actual experience when we were coming home to deal with the death of someone. Like I was 10, nine months pregnant when it happened. Yeah. But, um, I was like an ox. I actually wrote the movie because I was like, I've never seen a pregnant lady star in a movie that isn't all about her being pregnant or like her feelings around it. Just like I I wanted to see like a pregnant Wonder Woman. I love how Wonder Woman actually was pregnant when she shot that movie. Yeah. (laughs) But I wanted to see that. But I just I didn't at that point. I was just like, I don't want to put on a pregnancy suit. But um, 
another break. <laughs> and not again. But I would say it was it was really like we swapped out a lot of key factors and details of each character's life, but the a lot of the relationships between the siblings and then yeah. the 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 reluctance, the go diving into it, the love, the hate, the fear, the crying, the screaming in the car on the phone, like all of that was very much based on my yeah. real experience. And one thing that I was like curious about from your perspective cuz I think a lot of people think that Joy is a shitty mom, but like if she were, if this were the story of like a dad, would this have been quite as bad of a parent or is it just because it's a woman? That's a good question. I think I never looked at the character of Joy ever being a dad. Like I, I, I never dawned on me that that could have been coming from a father and maybe because I grew up without a dad, I right, I, I identify with being raised just by a mom. So to me, that was like, okay, I totally get it. Each parent, like whether you're a dad or a mom, you can still be a crappy parent. Like it doesn't matter. Um, That's how I kind of took it. So, but it's an interesting point of view. If it it was, if the character of Joy was the dad, if it would have had that much impact. How about- Yeah, like I always think how like we're ingrained like, you know, like, for example, like Mick Jagger. I don't know what he's yeah. like in real life, but I don't feel like people are that mad at him for doing living his best life. Yeah. But I think, like, if if Mick Jagger were a woman equivalent, she yeah. would get a lot more flack for doing it. So yeah. I yeah. just really appreciated Joy Pride for doing exactly what she wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I never got, like, with the character of Joy Pride through the movie – you never get mad at, like, really mad at her. You kind of go, she did what she did. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, yeah. And she yeah, totally. she tried her best, but. <laughs> she tried it. Yeah, you never, like, have any kind of um, hatred or <clears throat> dislike for the character of Joy, which I thought was very well done. Because it, it could have been very easy to make her a villain. In the film, and and mm. she wasn't. You didn't. You you kind of felt for the whole family, and you're rooting for them the whole film. <laughs> so, which I really love. But I find it interesting because your first film, um, um, Catherine, was about a baby, and the fifth film starts with the baby. So, yeah, I was like, oh, is it gonna be the same as the first? One? Like, I I thought it, at first they thought maybe it was chanting the same character from your first film, and this was gonna be like. The the continuation Continue. of it, yeah. Like a spiritual sequel. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in some ways it could be a spiritual sequel. Um, yeah, that was another reason why I didn't make this character super, super pregnant. Because I was like, nah, then I'm just going to be like the pregnant lady for the rest of my career. And I got like, <laughs> I got to get some drugs in there, some heist. Like next one, we got to yeah. blow some shit up. And yeah. Like, you know, the Pride like, family, like an action thriller. That would be yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like more fucking. We just need to like spice it up. Um, but uh, I joke that my first movie was about being afraid of getting pregnant. And then I got knocked up during filming. Oh, did you my, really? Yeah. And we had to finish real quick before anyone. Could Your see. first film was really good. Let's ruin it with a baby. I got to see that too. It was, Oh really my good. gosh. Yeah, Thank you. That. And they both oh have God. the same vibe, which I love is uh you just get a glimpse of these people's lives as like a, a voyeur. You just get to watch. And it feels in the way it's just all, both of them had that feeling to me, both of the films. So, and I was like, this is her style. I, I'm buying it. I'm for it. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. Did you have a question, Robbie? Yeah, I did. Hey, this, is, this is Robbie. I just wanted to jump in because I was just thinking of this, but um, was there a meaning behind the Pride family name and oh, yeah. especially Joy Pride? Was there in, in any um, – did that come from any place? So I, I'm trying uh, – Joy Pride, it just seemed like an archetype of someone who is the bearer, who lives a happy life but has inflicted a lot of pain and grief upon their uh, – family yeah. and i was also thinking of, of pride of lions and then obviously like it's not like a f- really like super queer movie but there was a part of like the love story is a gay storyline but it's not really like directly yeah. about like gay pride but um the kids are all named after beatles songs so sadie oh, is from sexy right. sadie jude is <laughs> hey jude julia is the song julia and lucy is lucy in the sky with diamonds I kind of, we were thinking that. I was like, oh, I'm right. I knew it. I knew it. Got it. Yeah, I do have to say. Um, you guys got everything. I do, yeah. I do have to say um, Sam's carrier, Jude, the whole grinder hookup scene in the van. I was like, girl, I know so many people that have done that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, that's a little too close to home. That's Yeah. The, can I say that, one thing about that? Yeah. So we, we showed this film at... Um, it opened for sunscreen festival in Florida. And so there were all these like Southern people that saw our movie. And I got up the next morning at the hotel and this woman came up to me and she was talking about that scene. She goes, she goes, this is going to sound really weird. She goes, that was hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh changing lives. Changing lives. Thank you, Florida woman. That's amazing. My friend said the same thing about Kester and he watched the film. He goes, Oh my God, that girl is so hot. <laughs> She's the hottest chick ever. And he's like from Kentucky. He's like in the backwoods of Kentucky. But he totally had a cross. There you go. <laughs> totally had a You guys like, oh. were at South by Southwest when right? How was that experience? Because that is a big deal. <laughs> South by Southwest. Like God, how is going to that and just the whole experience. How was it for you guys? Going to South by Southwest was amazing. Yeah. Um, first of all, we all camped out in this house together. Oh, how fun. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Melody and I were roommates. We were. Oh, were you really? Oh, yes. stories. There's got to be stories. I know this. It was juicy. I'm... Like, I okay, show up in yeah, the middle. You're going to, you tell okay. it. No, I mean, like, I had no idea. You know, it's like, my husband and I, Fred and I, we don't get out much. And <laughs> <laughs> we flew to Austin. We got there in the middle of the night. And I wake up the next day and we had a bed. And then there was a bunk bed. And there was Cool and his husband. <laughs> yeah. So we sneak in in the middle of the night because we, yeah. we get like a late night fight. And I get there. And like, hey, your room's going to be upstairs. And I, I go into the room and Melanie's there laying. And then her husband's like, in his underwear. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then so me and my husband, we just kind of tipped our way and sneak in. We're so tired and we like, you know, we pass out. And then we just all wake up in the morning. The next morning, we're like, oh, hi, everybody. Yeah, cool. Oh, wow. was like, my husband, he was like, hi, I'm cool. Fred was like, hi, uh, nice to meet you. I'm Fred. And they're like shaking hands. Shaking hands. But he was literally like in his drawers. Like he was like in it. In his drawers. <laughs> Yeah. He was so feeling we, it. We, we partied. We partied. So much fun. Oh. I put 
I put the longest eyelashes I could find in my kit on Melanie. Oh, you did? <laughs> they were up to here. Awesome. <laughs> and we went out and we just had so oh, much fun. Melanie's like, I don't think I've ever had lashes this long. Never. And I've had <laughs> some long eyelashes. But Kestrin, South by Southwest, that was that was your dream. So yeah. you have to talk about this. How did you feel taking your film there? And how did it do? Like, how was the experience for you as a filmmaker? It was a life dream getting to go to South by and the film takes place in Austin. And I actually met my father-in-law who the story was based off of by going to South by for like 10 years. It was just like almost seeing your family at Christmas time, except it was seeing my husband's family at South by time. And that guy had a wristband to South by Southwest year one. So that guy attended for like 25 years or something. And then he kicked the bucket. We made a movie about him. And we got to world premiere it in his hometown, like with his friends and like all the family who grew up in Austin, my huge, huge Jonathan's huge family, like 10 or 15 or 20 of them came. It was like all extended family in the audience. It was like a miraculous dream come true. And I'm like, every day I'm like, I can't believe that happened. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I would be. I was like, was that me? Pinch me, pinch me. (laughs) It was so great. And you know, the best part was the, First screening, it was like all our friends and we were really yeah. nervous. Then the second screening was, you know, still that first weekend and a bunch of friends. And then the third screening was Friday morning at 11 a.m. Like the next week. Wow. And I was like, I feel like such a loser. Like everyone had left except for like a couple core people on my team. And all the famous people were like long, long gone. And I was like, I feel like such a dork. I like w- spent five days waiting in Texas to go to this 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. screening. And no one is going to be here. And I feel like a dumbass. And then we were going out to the theater and I, there was a line around the block. And then I heard people being like, is this one of my mother's little helpers? This one of my little helpers. And it was like a totally sold out Friday morning on a weekday screening. And it was the best audience out of all the ones that we had that were packed with our friends. It was the best crowd. And there were young people. I was like, people in their twenties watched it and connected with it. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really special. Just, and also like the, it was almost like the places where we went that it wasn't full of our friends had the most exciting and really surprising audience reactions. Like they really got it. And I wasn't expecting that because I was like, is this just me and my friends? Yeah, (laughs) actually this um, kind of, it kind of relates to a question that popped up in YouTube live chat is um, what kind of person would enjoy the film? Like who would you recommend to see it? You know, it's a lot of people who um, boomers, boomers like the movie. Red state, (laughs) red state, purple state boomers, purple state boomers. And, um, but I would say people who have like parents and maybe like are at the beginning of starting a family or thinking about starting a family. I think they call it the sandwich generation, like (laughs) thirties to fifties. And then like your boomer mom, it's a good thing to watch with your parents to like, if you're stuck in a house in isolation with your parents and maybe they are on the different side of the political spectrum, it's actually a really cathartic thing to watch with your mm-hmm. family there's like a little racy scene in there with the the grinder moment but it, it i think it's really therapeutic and good for everyone yeah. to take it in as a family <laughs> if you know what i mean i love i love watching my sister i love watching my sister watch the movie because my sister actually filmed herself watching a movie so she could show me that she was watching the movie and i love it how she like talks back at the screen she's like uh-uh no uh-uh. 
stop yelling at him. She didn't do it. <laughs> when they were like blaming everything on 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 Sam's character on Jude, he didn't do nothing. Why why y'all blaming need, it on him? <laughs> I need to see this cool. <laughs> yeah. But I think siblings who watch it together are going to be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, you're the Julia. No, yeah, you're the Jude. I can totally see like them being like, uh, uh-uh, uh, nah, no, you're Sadie. <laughs> yeah. Getting no, in they fights do over do that. Yeah. Everyone thinks that the other one is Julia in yes. every single family. They're like, you think that it, even Brita's sister was like, you know, you think that you were like inspired by me, but what you were really doing was a commentary on your own self. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to remember that too. <laughs> oh, but it's such a it's such a good film. I hope what do you want people to take away from this film? Each of you individually, like what would you want people to take away from the film? Honestly, I feel like the way that you have talked about our film, it just completely encapsulates everything that we could possibly want oh, for people to feel. <laughs> like the fact that you compared it to The Big Chill and August Osage yeah. County, like I get cold chills right now saying that again because. Ooh, I got him. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, and just, um, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, mm-hmm. the idea that there's, that there's this movie where the, the family is, you know, in the house together, they can't leave. You know, we want it to be cathartic we want people to have content to watch that is funny that they laugh they cry um and like you said earlier that they feel like a fly on the wall Mm -hmm. that's what we want that's awesome Mm -hmm. what about you what about you cole i I think it uh kind of humanizes when you see each of the characters go through what they're going through and you are isolated in a situation like you are now and you're like you don't you feel like you feel hopeful kind of, you know, like, you know, I I always just think of Jude because like he was just getting it from like all angles. He couldn't, he was trying to like, he was trying so hard and they were just, just, yeah. And like, I like, I always think of him, that character. And, and, you know, so I know a lot of people that can relate to that and and can feel like they can get out of the other side. So I think it's a it's a journey and yeah. it comes out very hopeful. So I hope But people- like I when I watched yeah. the film, I looked at the character of Sadie going, That's my sister, the one who gets called first when something goes wrong with mom, and the one who's like there first, and then she rounds up the troops. So for like in my world, I was like, My sister's Sadie, I'm definitely Julia, and my brother's Jude, and the other <laughs> one's the youngest <laughs> one. So like that's how like when I watched it, those are the eyes I was watching it from. So mm-hmm. for me it it was very relatable. And I think anybody who watches the film is especially people who are close with their siblings or even not close with their siblings and their parent. It's just going to resonate with them, especially I, in the time that we're in right now yeah. with the quarantine and being stuck at home. Yeah. And stuff like and that. I was going to, sorry. Go ahead. No, go I was going to, I wanted to say also it's, it spotlights um, just like my character, nurse cool nurses going into people's houses mm-hmm. right now, taking care of each other. And it, it highlights the role of, you know, how essential caretakers are in yeah. these types of situations. And uh, so For sure. I think like the nurses that are that are watching it can relate as well as For to how sure. important they are to end the life care. Yeah. What about you, Catherine? What do you want people to take away from your your film? I mean, what you said just really got my whole like gut core and solar plexus and heart like wide open, okay. like the way that. 
I mean, that's something I haven't really heard articulated, but the way that you said it was really meaningful to me that you're like, oh, this one is that one and that one is like, and not to like be grandiose or anything. If it's like a Samantha Miranda or like, yeah. you know, Charlotte, like I liked that idea that like people could relate to the the different dynamics in a family mm-hmm. and I kind of assign their own people to them. And I like the misassignment too. Yeah. Um, but there is also the part where like right now everyone feels like they're losing something that's really special to them where it's like, Oh, we lost the entertainment industry or like I lost a parent or I lost uh, my job or, or can't even get unemployment or, or whatever it is, or I'm an essential worker and I can't not go to work. Um, that, you know, we are all in the process of losing something, no matter who we are. And it is meaningful to each person, whatever it is that they've lost. And it's easy to put it into perspective in the grand picture and just be like, wow, I'm not alone. Yeah. If there's ever been a time that we're going through something that feels really personal and then you take a step back and you're like, dude, this is not personal. Yeah. This mm. is all of us in it together. And that looking at things in that lens kind of gives you a sense of hope. And I think that this movie is about the loss of a parent and it's like, oh, wow, what a bummer. Right. But it's also like a privilege to mm-hmm. like have your parent die after you is a privilege that some people don't get and like and witnessing those last moments being in those last moments whether it's a parent or somebody that just means a lot to you being in those last moments before they leave this this world Mm -hmm. that's super important and that stays with people for a long time forever Mm -hmm. so i think this film does a good it does a good job of showing that aspect because in the film each child gets that one moment with their mom to like say what they need to say and kind of somewhat get peace with it is how I took it. Yeah. So, yeah. I so it. I loved it. Yeah. Human connection part. Yeah. And I think that we are all kind of stuck in our house and going through the cathartic where you go scream in your car oh, yeah. on the phone at someone. And like, that feels really good to me to watch yeah. those scenes right now. I yeah. like, I go and scream in my car sometimes right now. Or, I just scream at Rob. Shoot. Yeah, I <laughs> scream stuck at my, in the house together. my kid. But you know, it's like we're like ping-ponging between these huge emotions right now. Yeah. And it's nice to see that reflected back yeah. to you. If you think about what's happening now, like people aren't even getting those chances. So true. in the hospital, they're like mm-hmm. having to FaceTime their last moments. They're not getting moments to even like to go to memorials. You know, they're not getting that opportunity. So yeah. I, I I knew one person from my hometown that unfortunately uh, died from COVID. He was, it was one of my friends from high school. It was his dad and they wore hazmat suits and went into the room and played amazing grace for him. Cause he loved oh. gospel music and he loved, and I was just like, Oh, that was just so, it, I don't know. It just had such a huge impact impact on me as far as like that visual of like, they yeah. they took their moment. They got to have that moment. moment. They got to, yeah. Yeah. You know. That, Which like you think you said, is important. Cool, yeah, not everybody gets. So uh, but it's such a good film. But before we go, there's a segment we do on our show called Carol of the Week, which actually part of it is inspired by Bridesmaids. <laughs> Carol, get your shit together. It kind of came about that way, like in our first season of the show. So when Mally was going to come on, I was like, we got to do fucking Carol of the Week. So for people who don't know, Carol of the Week is our opportunity to gripe about whatever we want, because I think everybody needs to get something off their chest, especially in the time that we're in right now. 
now. So this is the time when, like, with I go when I do with the co-host is it's our time to just say whatever we want, get whatever gripe, whatever something that's bothering us off our chest. <laughs> so that is our Carol of the Week. So I'll let you guys think about it for a minute, and I will go first. I'll go with my first Carol. So my Carol of the Week this week is the people in, here in San Diego and PB that went buck wild going out to the bars the first oh. day open, and then they shut down Al Perez because all of you people did not follow the rules, and you should have. That's my Carol of the Week. This people who just were like, whoa, party! Yes, Memorial Day weekend, not really following the whole quarantine thing. Um, and then how to pay the price, which sucks. But hey, come on now, you can drink at home. Um, so that's my Carol of the Week. Do any of you have a Carol? I have so many Carols of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to take Melody. this time. I'm going to rag on my family. There you go. <laughs> Actually, as I say this, I can hear somebody washing dishes. And literally what I was going to say is, please, Lord. Someone besides me wash a freaking dish. (laughs) (laughs) I do. It's like it's so much all the time. And Uh I feel like it's almost like every single day, every dish that we have in the house is dirtied. And you can't not do it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I'll I'll just leave on that. There you go. What about you, Cole? Do you have a carol of the week? I just want people to mind their own damn business. Oh, people are like, especially. Oh God. They're always like into your shit. Like Mm -hmm. just mind your, make sure your own house is clean. Stop coming in trying to clean my house. People are bored. That's why they got nothing else to do. They're going on social media and spying on everybody else. Like leave Britney alone. Right. So what? She burned down her gym. She burned down her gym. Who hasn't? Who hasn't? Did you, did you see that video of Brittany? She was just like, yeah, I'm in my gym. It's the first time in six months. Did you months guys see that? Because I just Kestrin's burned like, down yes. my gym. It's amazing. <laughs> I like, wait. Yeah. Wait, you just totally glossed over the part where you burned your gym you. down. Totally. Poor Brittany. Totally. I feel like we're doing to her what you just caroled, though. Like, oh, okay. I'm sorry, Brittany. I'm sorry, Brittany. I'm sorry. I was you just can like, burn her gym down. I mean, it's her fucking gym, right? right? And she's probably got down. enough money to build another one. <laughs> so Brittany, I love you. I love Wait. you, Brittany. You can burn on whatever. The funny thing is, is the only reason that I knew about that is because I, I am obsessed with watching Brandon Branch on Instagram. <gasps> oh, I <laughs> love him. Paula Dean's assistant. Yeah, and he has been. I mean, I could say this because he's doing it on Instagram. He is drunk all the time. He owns a little hotel. <laughs> he owns a little hotel. So when they they couldn't have any guests, yeah. he was just like poolside, drinking Chardonnay and talking about Britney. And I was like, <laughs> I love, I love you, Brandon. So oh much. my god, that's funny. What but about you? He was talking he, about about Britney, Britney burning down her gym. <laughs> what about you, Kestrin? What is a um, Carol for you? My Carol, I'm in, I'm in like a deep place of gratitude right now, but I am I am want to Carol now and again for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like my caroling right now is around homeschool. Oh. Um, that like I I'll go through life and like I started out this summer like Mary fucking Poppins where I was like <laughs> whistle a tune and long divide and now we're doing science <laughs> and then like I tried to do something else with my life and I just descended and deteriorated into like a hollering screaming drunken Miss Hannigan and just turned into a fucking monster <laughs> woman. <Sad again. laughs> 
And I, that is my resting state is just like ping ponging between being an amazing overachieving homeschool parent to just being like a, a train wreck of a person. Um, and so I guess my Carol is with my own Miss Hannigan alter ego where I'm like, I don't know how to like get around. Like I would like to get around the part where I end up screaming at everyone and like slamming the doors and like screaming into a pillow. (laughs) Um, I try not, I like, I hope that my neighbors, I always am like, wake up with this moment and it's not even, it's not like a drunken rage. It's like a psychotic rage. Yeah. Um, where I feel almost like one would do if one were hungover, like shit, did they hear me? Like, did the neighbors hear me? I really want to know, but I also don't want to know if they heard me. And that is the part that I struggle with. These days. Wow. <laughs> Very relatable. Trust me. <laughs> I do have yeah. to ask because I know the people in the chat room probably wouldn't. What is up with the lobster? Oh, no, this is a really lobster? deep question. So this lobster, I'll hold it up. Was like, you know how Dumbo has a magic feather to yeah. like make him believe and have trust in himself that he can fly. This was my Dumbo feather of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, because I had had a hard time before making the movie. And during that hard time, I went to a friend's house. She had a really fancy house. It was like Mm -hmm. up on the hills and Los Feliz, like on the fancy side of the street. And she had this lobster. And I was like, that lobster is amazing. Where can I get one? (laughs) And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, oh. And then then like a month later, she called me and she was like, hey, we're moving. We're downsizing. Do you want the lobster? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And then I was like, well, if the lobster happened, maybe I can ask Melanie Hutzel to star in my movie. Like, fuck, maybe she'll do it. And she did look and she did it. She she was amazing in it. (laughs) And every single thing that I did, like going through, like the lobster's actually in the movie because I was like, if oh, now we got to go back happened, and watch Rob and look for the lobster. Yeah, it gave me this like uh, hope that, yeah. and I did. I made bigger ass because I would be like, I don't know, like the lobster happened, so fucking maybe cool, we'll do it, and maybe we'll <laughs> get to South. Go. I mean, we should apply to South by. Maybe we'll get in a fucking South. I mean, the lobster. So, <laughs> so the lobster was your good luck <laughs> charm through the whole film. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that story. <laughs> but this has been an absolute pleasure having all of you on the show. And everybody, go out and watch Mother's Little Helper. I cannot express express this enough. It's a really good film, and it, I think it's perfect. For for the time that we're in too like it's just perfectly timed <laughs> but thank you it's mother's little helpers mother's little helpers yes dot co is where it's got your link to amazon itunes you all everywhere all on demand uh, mother's so little helpers oh you're welcome yeah the other thing that I, I loved about it at the end of the film mother's little helpers the name of the film all tied in <laughs> we were like <gasps> Oh, uh, the Rolling Stones covered the song. Oh, you get it all now. I get it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how do people find each of you on your social? Cole, how do people find you? Oh, you, you can find me on Instagram at, at Beat by Cool. That's B E A T by Cool. Yes. And Melanie, how do people find you? Instagram, Mel Hut, M E L H U T 65. Yes. And Kestrin, how do people find you? And give them the rundown again for the movie. You can find Mother's Little Helpers at motherslittlehelpers.co. And you should just go watch it on Amazon right now or or iTunes, whatever you love. Um, You can find me, Kestrin Pantera, on Instagram 
or at Kestrin on Twitter, which I am very rarely on. But um, <laughs> yeah, and I like I just want to say thank you to you and, oh, and your co welcome. and your producer for producer having us. Rob. Like you have made my day. I wish I could like encapsulate your essence and like put it on my shoulder and like <laughs> tell it to me on a like a hand in Thank day. you. I'm so grateful for this oh, opportunity. No, it was yeah, a pleasure. Actually. I want to give a give a shout out to uh, my girl Nikki. Nikki, we love Nikki. I love Nikki Boyer. <laughs> and everybody, yeah. go listen to her new podcast, Daily Smile. It's amazing. She does an amazing job with it. And listen to her other show, Dying for Sex, which is another freaking good show. Like both of her, whatever she's doing, she is she's killing it in the podcast game right now. But oh, yeah, did you have something? No, Robbie? I just want to say that um, Turn your everybody mic on. Don't, <laughs> don't miss the movie. Go to Amazon Prime. Go to uh, um, Apple. Download it. iTunes because you really feel like you are there with this yeah. family. Yeah. And including, I felt like I was on that grinder date. We've all been. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we were looking at each other like, <laughs> don't miss it. <laughs> I do have one final question. What's next for each of you? What do you got in the pipeline? What is What's next? Um, I was like when 2020 started, uh, first of all, 20, the best thing that happened in 2019 was the, the mother's little helpers ride of South yeah. by Southwest and all of that. Otherwise I, I was really let, ready to let go of 2019, not yeah. knowing what was coming. I know, right? <laughs> but, but anyway, when Jan- January came around, I started working with, uh, Susan Yeagley, who, mm-hmm was on Parks and Rec and she's been in a bunch of Christopher Guest movies and she and I were working on a project together that I was really excited about. <sighs> and then it just, yeah. but. Is it coming? Is it going. happening? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to keep going. We're not giving up. Yes. And once you do, come back on our show. Talk about it. <laughs> that would okay, be amazing. I will. I would be glad to. <laughs> and for you, Cole, what's next for you? What do you got in the pipe? Well, um, my first job is a, a celebrity makeup artist. Yes. So, but right now nobody's beating face. No one's, <laughs> everyone's just looking like they're looking. So literally I've been doing nothing. I, I've just been a dadager. I have a, a daughter who is nine years old, who is like, who is immensely talented. And I've, I've just been doing what Kestrin said. I've been like homeschool dad. I've been doing like dance lessons whatever all just all of that i'm just like pure dadager so right. i'm i'm doing that right now but secretly also like while she's doing voice lessons i'm like singing to in the side <laughs> when awesome. she's in her acne glasses i'm like oh yeah so nice what about you Kestrin? what's next for you i'm excited to see what what comes down the line what next project you're gonna put out well yeah i'm editing and i'm gonna be shooting cool into the next thing that i'm cutting right now hello and i'm trying to put him (laughs) in my next movie that i'm directing as well so um and then melanie as well we're like gonna weasel both of them into the pilot that um i'm now editing nice um that is a kind of story with the similar same cast but different Mm storyline um i have a script that is in development that i am um late on a rewrite for and excited to get to um and i'm directing a feature film that i was supposed to have been done directing right now and um 
uh, you know, depending on what the CDC and the state say, yeah. maybe we'll shoot it in July. But uh, it's a great script. It's really funny, and I'm super excited well, to get that one. I can't wait. It's if it's anything going to be like this film, it's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> and I'm so glad you all got to come on the show. We got to chat about the movie and everything else. It's been amazing. And for our listeners, you can find the podcast at Who Invited Her underscore podcast on Instagram. We are Who Invited Her SD on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at the gang at whoinvitedher.net and you can go on our website whoinvitedher.com to get merchandise we have t-shirts and a bunch of fun stuff for you guys next week we have Nikki Paris comedian Nikki Paris coming on he's going to hang out with the whole crew everybody's back together again (laughs) for next week's episode Um, but for this week's band pick of the week it is a song that I've been obsessed with um, that I really love and it's from Noah Gunterson and it's All My Friends and it's a great song go check his music out he's an amazing artist but thank you guys once again for coming on the show it has been an absolute pleasure and everybody go check out mother's little helpers it is a great 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 film thank you thank you guys thank you so much and we'll see everybody else next week bye Someone, but I guess they forgot 28 years just to lighten up Now you're closing down the bar Getting high school drunk Just dance Nothing lasts forever Just dance Try to leave that pressure There's a boy from back in high school Crushing a rock Did a little in the